Hello and welcome to the Strength to be Human podcast with your host, poet and playwright, Mark Anthony Rossi. In this, our third year, we continue to explore the meaning of being an artist in an ever-changing digital world. Now, without further ado, here is your host. Hi folks and welcome back to Sent to Be Human. I'm your host, poet and playwright, Mark Anthony Rossi. This is episode 204, Context or Reflex Battle for Truth. Now let's just go to the dictionary definition of context before we continue with this show, just to see where we're at on this. Just to see if folks, you know, need to be uh, reminded or refreshed on what it actually means, okay? Context, all right? It's a noun. It's the circumstances that form the setting for an event, statement, or idea. And in terms of which it can be fully understood and assessed. See? So it is possible that people can think things out of context. And therefore, we have a different definition or interpretation. Sometimes it's by accident, uh, of action of not knowing, or accidents of being ignorant, or sometimes it's uh, deliberate just to get people in trouble. You see a lot of people do this in journalism and politics these days. It's because it's always about the art of destruction, never about trying to learn something or about maybe to uh, beat your competitor uh, in the political arena with, you know, ideas and truth instead of, uh, you know, uh, fantasies and, 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 of course, fiction. But that's the kind of world we live in. Now, one of the things I've been concerned about for years, not only as a public citizen but also as a writer, and particularly as a writer, is how many writers don't want to stick with the truth. They often spend lots of time either not reading, not observing what's going on in the world, or simply just parroting what other people are saying. And if that, if that's what you do on a regular basis, you don't get to be a writer, okay? You're just a mimicker. You're, you're just a parrot. And you're not a writer. Because your writer is supposed to be your words and your ideas and your thoughts, which you're always going to be if you stay true to them, far different than any politician and a bumper sticker or any other of the silly terms or terminologies they use these days. All right? Now, let's talk a number of instances of context and problems with that. All right? One of the first we could talk about is uh, I was on a vacation, okay? And we went to Hilton Head finally after a couple of years of staying away, you know, the, the virus and all that stuff. So we went back there, Okay? Only to discover, incredibly enough, that there are places on Hilton Head Island where they are not allowed to use the word plantation anymore. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about that they've changed the entire name of the building or the program or, or the event from plantation. No, that's still the same. They just can't actually verbally say the word plantation because, God forbid, that will be considered racist. Now, I want to point out the two very dumb things about this. First dumb thing is, if you really think, okay, if you really think in the year 2021 that saying the word plantation and an event or a real estate situation is somehow racist, okay, then why don't you not change the street and change the building and change the name of the event and change all your stationery, okay? Even change your, your website, before you even change any vocabulary. 
This is how this becomes a real problem. Because first of all, the person that believes this sort of thing is some kind of racist thing is not living in the same planet we are. Okay? That's the first problem. The second problem is the idiots, because guess what? If you're falling for this stuff, then you're even more of an idiot than a person that's offended. Okay? Because you're not even being honest with the situation. Because you haven't changed anything other than the word. You tell your staff, just don't mention the word plantation. Because, you know, when a person walks into this thing, they're not going to notice the gigantic word on the building, plantation. They're not going to notice the street sign, plantation. Or, or all the brochures and the marketing material, plantation. The website, plantation. Somehow they're not going to notice that. They're only going to get up mad and start protesting when you say the word plantation when you walk into the office. Does any of this make any damn sense? First of all, the context is all wrong. Because guess what? South Carolina is no longer a slave state, okay? It hasn't been over 100 years. That's not going on there any longer. So there's no reason to be afraid about using the word plantation or not. It's just a marketing term, okay? It's not a real plantation. It's a damn building that made like 20, 30 years ago. has nothing to do with any of that connection at all. Now, if, you, if, you, if you're over there making jokes about the word plantation and doing things that would be racially in, in, insightful, that's a different story, but none of that's going on. This is literally just the same, quote, woke nonsense you hear from businesses. So afraid to lose business that they half-heartedly, or half-assly, if you want to put it that way, you know, try to go with some kind of trend that makes no sense at all. As you can see, they're not... They have no consistency. They still don't have any integrity about this situation. And I can't see what kind of sensitivity they really have because they haven't gone to do anything to change anything if this is something they truly believe in or they truly think this is some kind, some kind of offense. Not to mention, I've been in all these places already on the island, okay? I've been in these places with plenty of African Americans. They were there with me. I didn't see any of them upset, any of them noticed, or any of them care. You know why? Because there was no connection to the stupid word plantation to anything else, okay? All right? There wasn't a Confederate soldier over there that with a picture of it next to it and a slave or something. All right? Just a marketing term. That's it. So it makes no sense. But that just gives you an idea of the kind of context we're talking about. As writers, these are the things we need to be picking, poking fun out of. We need to be bringing it up with the facts of the situation. These are the things that should be in our story, okay? This should be in our writing. Not the disease that nobody can pronounce from your great uncle from five years ago that, oh well. None of that stuff is interesting. We've heard all that stuff already. These are the things you need to be tackling if you want to be a writer. If you want to stand out, if you want to do something that makes sense, that's going to enlighten somebody, that's going to connect to somebody. But no, we don't have too many that want to do that. They're too afraid. Afraid someone's going to get upset. Afraid someone's going to be offended. Someone's going to call them a name. Yeah, have them call you a name, a writer. Because until you start doing something that makes some sense and start being out there with people and letting them know that this kind of idioticness not only harms writing, harms literature, harms people's minds, ultimately it harms the society because it's a lie and it's corrosive. You need to be pointing that out. And this is not happening a lot. This is what I mean about not only context but reflex because that's what that is. 
by allowing that to slip out of context, then you go into the reflex. I mean, so literally the employee is telling me, my boss says, I can't use the word plantation. And when I literally said, you, you, you didn't notice the giant sign outside, right? No one changed that. Well, yeah, we just can't say the word. See? You're not helping anybody when you do this sort of stuff. You're helping a lie even further. You're helping things out of context. Nothing is happening, okay? This makes no damn sense. In many ways, what you're doing is even more offensive if you just left the damn thing alone. One of the things that truly saddened me about the 21st century is we have such an enormous access to knowledge. More knowledge than ever been compiled in the history of mankind, okay? Google on, on, on a 10 minute basis has more information than the Library of Alexandria times the thousand. Yet we still have people walking around ignorant, walking around idiotic, walking around moronic, walking around in, in some kind of a daze, or walking around full of fear. Oh, I can't say that. I can't. Makes no sense at all. Here in America, we can never ever have an honest conversation about race at all, ever. I don't care if it's the race between so-called white people and so-called black people or so-called white people and so-called people who cross the border, Hispanics, Mexicans, whatever you want to call them. We can never have any honest conversation about it because the terminology that's used is so loaded with nonsense that you're never going to get anywhere. And because we won't get anywhere, all we're stuck with is a lot of this false language. Stuff that makes Orwell's 1984 look tame on a daily basis on the stuff that we use. This, this ridiculous terminology of woke, which is supposed to mean that you're now seeing things more that you didn't see before about the cultural problems we have here. The problem is, is that the terminology and the definitions for many of these things, it's beyond the literary vocabulary because it, it, it runs off of the page of reality into some fantasy land, okay? There's a systematic system in America that that's, brings out white supremacy and we can't help ourselves and it's we're psychologically embedded and, and blah, blah, blah. It, not only does it have no evidence for this nonsense, it doesn't even make any sense. In fact, in many ways... It itself is bigoted. Or oh, my favorite my favorite phrase in the last couple of years, white privilege. Somehow, just because you might look Anglo, you have all these incredible privileges. Makes no sense at all. It really doesn't. Okay? I, I can recall my own life, okay, as, a, as, a, as an Italian guy from New Jersey. You know, uh, the only way I got anywhere is either... I had to beat somebody's ass or I had to beat somebody in a test or a competition to get somewhere. Whether it's a test or a job or whatever. That was it. By beating people. Yeah. Not beating them up, just beating people. There you go. I had nothing to do with any of that other stuff at all. Yet we still have people out there believing that. And it's a dangerous thing, especially for writers when they don't want to talk about this or confront any of this because it in itself is racist to say these sort of things to say that you know everything's cool when you have white privilege and somehow you're not a racist by even saying something like that you are because there's 10,000 reasons why somebody didn't get someplace that have nothing to do with race but we never want to bring those things up 
when I say this, understand, I am not blind, I'm not in denial, and I've, I've traveled around the world, so I know exactly where racism is. I know exactly what it looks like. I've seen it here in America. I've also seen it in countries where it was a hundred times worse than anything that I've ever seen in America. You take somebody here from America and send them around the world for a while and you'll be shocked on the stuff you see. And if you were able to look at it objectively and honestly, you'd be surprised on how free America is. How much we've tried to do to correct our history. Yet we continue to allow these expressions and this, this degradation of our language and therefore these definitions, they're going to harm society. They're already harmed in many ways writing that people don't even think the way they should think any longer because they don't want to think for themselves. The moment you start copying this dangerous language, that's the moment you stop thinking for yourself and you're letting somebody else think for you. And when you do that, they already have something for you. They got you, uh, they got you as a racist. They got you as a bigot. Uh, somebody who perpetrates a system that's going to be against them. Um, they, they got you as an evil empire person. You're, uh, you're a horrible enemy. You deserve to have your businesses burnt and, and looted. And this is what you happen. This is what happens when you allow that. So you need to make sure that you're making sure you're governing yourself by using the language that's realistic and that has reality and that's in the context of today. I've seen schools ban Huckleberry Finn. Well, Mark, we, we can't teach this thing. It has uh, the N-word in it 189 times. Well, who's to say, and I'm okay with this, who's to say that you can't have a publisher this... X that word out. Or who's to say that the teacher who's reading this thing can't just simply X it out or, or, or say, uh, this is the N-word here. Mm -hmm. Blah, 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 N-word, blah, blah, blah. That's what you got to do. It's no slight on Mark Twain, who wrote this in the 1800s, who actually was extremely enlightened on, on racism and was totally against it and that slavery and all that stuff. So there's no slight on him. This is what he was writing. He was trying to write some realistic type book about how people were speaking. And, this, and, and it would make no sense if he wrote that book and they wasn't using that in his time, in the context of his situation. You see that? That's in the 1800s. You don't need to ban the entire damn book in the year 2021. You can get out the word and still read the story and let it still have an impact. You can do the same thing with Uncle Tom's Cabin. And 20 other books out there that, that have this kind of language. You can do that and still get a, a, a historical, a literary, and a cultural experience without offending anybody. I'm all right with that because I, I agree to a certain extent that there are certain things you shouldn't have to repeat. And I always agree that the N-word is just, just a stupid, horrible, evil word, and I don't have any problem with that at all. We just don't want to get so carried away that suddenly we can't read Mark Twain anymore. He must have been a racist. He used the word 188 times. Yet, anything you've ever written, anything that Mark Twain has ever written, anything you've ever written about him or any of his letters, you won't find one single thing about that. That guy was about as forward-thinking and as progressive as you could possibly be for his time in, in, in his century. So that's how somebody right there, like like there, if you take them out of context, the whole situation gets ruined. It doesn't it doesn't conform to reality anymore. It starts going into some situation that makes no sense. 
and we harm ourselves that way. So yeah, be sensitive, but be intelligent. Be sensitive, be, be honest. Be sensitive, I got no problem with that, but you need to be fair about it. The sensitivity can go to the point where now somehow you're the eternal victim, or, or in, in many cases, if you're white, you're the eternal victimizer. We've gone too far in society with this, and it's and it's harming us. It'll harm our writing. It'll harm our culture. It'll harm the society that we're trying to build—a society that's actually built on the principles of equality. Yes, I already know we're not there yet. I got that, but we're not going to get there by demonizing one group against another. You can't be getting mad at somebody because they so-called spent 400 years demonizing you, and now you're going to spend the next 50 years demonizing the so-called group that did this to you. I don't know where you think you're going to get with that. If it was wrong before using race to, to judge somebody, why is it right now? If all those tactics were wrong before, again, why putting them into a play now would make any sense? It's like it's like Zimbabwe come home to America. Has anyone noticed what's going on in Zimbabwe? A country that was ruled by colonial people who were racist and brutal and almost genocidal gets overthrown by a, 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 a rebel group and they take over the government. And what have they been since they've taken over? Racist, kills farmers, take land, destroy the economy. All the dumb things that the other people did before them. Same stuff, just a different color. If we're going to be different, and if we're going to have a better society, we can't have a situation where the new army that's taken over, doing the same crap as the old army, just has a different uniform. If that's how we do things, culturally, literary, or anything else-wise, then we get nowhere. Because we've learned nothing from history. We appreciate none of the sacrifices that we've made. Martin Luther King Jr. was alive right now. He'd be deeply upset at the nonsense that he's seen over here. He would definitely be that. I'm not somebody to say that, you know, um, he'd be out there uh, protesting against the protesters. But he would definitely be speaking out against some of this nonsense because it would make no sense. He would see that race is being used in a, in, a, in a very poor fashion and it's not helping anybody and unfortunately we have too many people especially here in America that cower to this sort of stuff and that makes things even worse instead of speaking their mind and saying really we're this after all we've been trying to do yeah we got a lot more improvement yeah we got a lot more to learn but we're not going to learn it through burning a city. We're not going to learn it from somebody pointing a gun in the head. We're not going to learn it by literally calling ourselves names to somehow make everybody else feel better. How are you going to learn anything that way? can't be learned. Do not ape this nonsense and allow it to go into your writing. You have to be more braver than that. You have to be more honest than that. You're not going to get nowhere in context or, of course, the, the horribleness of reflex, and that's what a lot of this is, for the battle for truth. As writers, we're supposed to be intimately involved in the truth. We're supposed to care about the truth. And we can't do that when we have folks here that just don't want to be interested in it. 
I don't even see a fraction of what I see uh, of what I should see about the things that have gone on in the last year and a half in my magazine aerial chart. I've seen plenty of stuff about COVID, but apparently it's not controversial to write about COVID. Unless you're saying it comes from China. Then people get, oh my God, that's controversial. Even though it's pretty obvious that's where it came from. It's only now we're starting to say something about that. Before, if you said that, you're a racist. If you ban people from coming here from there, you're a racist. This is what I mean about it. We don't want to become some Orwellian society we're just parroting what other people say. Things that go against our common sense. You can feel it in your bones when someone says that. Well, let me get this straight here. There's a lab that studies uh, viruses in the very place that this first came from. Okay? And uh, all the scientists have been whisked away. Some of them have been sick beforehand. We've known all this for over a year and a half now. Okay? But let's deny all that. Make everybody feel good. For what? So that literally millions of people around the world can die because we don't want to speak the truth. I know there's a lot of people around the world that listen to my show, and I'm privileged that is the case. I'm blessed. I am happy. Okay? But I've never shied away from telling you that I've always believed as a soldier, as a citizen, and as a, as a writer that America was, was a great nation that showed the light of freedom and truth throughout the world on that people can live better. In the last couple of years, I don't even know if that's the truth or not anymore. I really don't. Because we seem to not care about that. There's plenty of people around the world that knew what was going on. But we're going to worry about China. We're going to worry about someone calling us a name. Okay? If you want to worry about China so badly, either you do something to counter what's going on, or start learning Mandarin right now. Because when they take over your place one day, then you can be worried about that. But at least you'll speak the language for them. Maybe they won't kill you so quickly. Or maybe you could just be one of the supervisors in the concentration camps like they have the Uyghurs in right now. Maybe they give a little job doing that. But we need to face what's going on. We need to face what's going on in that society. I'd love to get more things about what's going on. I don't care if they're poems or essays or whatever. Very few people uh, have bothered to even write that. I'm afraid if I get something in about that, probably not even going to be the real name. That That's how idiotic this has become. We can't be the writers we're supposed to be, or we should be, if we don't want to obey the truth. If we don't want to see what, what needs to be seen. If we don't want to talk about what should be talked about. Because a lot of these things are not political. They're simply the truth. As long as we stick to the truth, we're okay. But if we start going into this whole Hillary Clinton, uh, Trump, Biden nonsense, well, then you won't get nowhere. Because those folks are going to say and do whatever they got to do for their purposes. For our purposes, we need to know what the, what the truth is. And oftentimes it's in the middle someplace. And oftentimes most of these forces only have a piece of it. Because only a piece of it is useful for whatever they're, they're trying to say or whatever they're trying to do. As writers, we need to try to gather the rest of the facts. We need to be able to understand what's going on so that we can write things in our, in our, in our pieces that, that really ring true to people. Because I'm not telling you anything here 
that I don't hear people on a regular basis talk about for all this time right now. I could be in the checkout line, and I can't believe what China's doing. But I can't say that out loud. Really. Yeah, no, I don't believe in all this, this racial nonsense. We should be more equal. I know there's more things that have to get done, but, you know, I'm not going to go and call myself some kind of criminal when I don't feel that way and I don't say these things and I don't try to do these to people. That's how most people are. They're not even in that. But they don't want to say anything because they'll, they'll look weird. It's just amazing. But we should be able to count on somebody in society, but it's harder and harder to do. It's hard to count on politicians who spend five different stories to get to whatever they got to get done, whatever gender it is, whatever election it is, whatever fundraising it is. So you really can't count on them. You can't count on businesses. They change their position every time they can to make sure they don't lose any profits or any margins. So you really can't count on them, unfortunately. You know, I'm sad to say you can't count on teachers. They, they, they literally are pawns of whatever political people are on top of them. They're too afraid of losing their job. Even though they're supposed to be the dispensers of truth. They're supposed to be the, the pillars of integrity in our community because we leave our children with them a good part of the day. Yet I found them to, uh, as a group to be more, more cowardly, more difficult to deal with, and even more dishonest than, than most groups. Uh, and that's just sad to say, but that's my experience, unfortunately, throughout the country, not just where I live at. As much as I praise the cops, you know, you, you have more and more cops right now. They're running off the force and not trying to stay there. And the rest of them that are there, they're so afraid to do anything. Which means that you're not going to get the kind of protection you want if the guy's worrying about if someone's going to shoot him or if someone's going to sue him or if someone's going to fire him or if someone's going to put him in jail. How the hell do you become a cop if you have to worry about all those things? Especially when the statistics show us clearly for five decades now that the percentage of cops that have done dumb things are extremely small. It always has been. In fact, most the most of the murders in the United States with guns in a, in a minority community are, are, are pretty much done by that minority person, which means in the Hispanic community, most of the murders that have been done by Hispanics and in, in, in the black community, most of them with guns have been done by, by their, their fellow black citizens, unfortunately. We don't hear that kind of stuff. If you say that kind of stuff, you're a bad person. Unfortunately, it's true. It's true every day. It's true every week. It's true every year. Check out Chicago every damn day. No ends in, no ends in sight. We have about 10,000 organizations out there that they claim they, they care about people. Nobody else, they're going out there. Why are you not out there protesting that? Stopping those gangs. You know what can be done to the cities and to places around the world if people actually just went where they should be going to stop the real things that are going on, the real crime? That's the real crime right there. But it's easy just to point at somebody else because it's going to get more, more attention from the media. A media, another example of things we cannot count on. More times than not, we don't get any any kind of honesty or integrity from it anymore. It's only saying now, you know, we really should have looked at that China angle before. But in many instances, we just felt that Trump was racist and we just didn't believe him, so we didn't want to investigate it. Well, guess what? That has nothing to do with your journalism because you could still have felt that the guy was bad, and, and you could have still investigated that story to see if it had any legs to it. They didn't do that. Oh, it came from him? It must be bad. 
That's not journalism. That's actually politics. And you're supposed to be above that. So you can't even trust these folks any longer. Now we've got somebody else in office. Yeah, we need to look at that. I think it could be right. You know why all of these people are saying this? Two reasons. Uh, there's more and more evidence surfacing now that it is the case. That's, that's the first reason. And the second reason is now folks just feel more comfortable of talking about it. Because if the new president believes this, then there's no way he could be a racist. That's not possible. The man who literally says anti-black and anti-Semitic things on a regular basis. Go to, go to YouTube. There's about 50 of them there. From the 1970s onward. No. Let's not do that. These are the facts we're talking about here, folks. This is what we should do as writers. Talk about these things. Learn about these things. Live these things, because we can't be writers without that. We're just going to be another voice out there that's just trying to get along. I'm just trying to get along. Okay, if you're trying to get along, please stop writing. Go into the post office. You get along with somebody else there. Make your $17 an hour, okay? Hope no one walks in with a gun and shoots you, and that's that, all right? But you can get along just fine. Being a writer is not about getting along. Because in case you haven't noticed, it's not that different now than it was in the last 150 years, okay? When you speak truth to power, people are going to learn. They're going to they're gonna connect. They're going to say, yeah, I, I kind of thought that was the case. And you're going to piss some people off now and then. That's your job as a writer, okay? To inflict the comfortable, okay? To, to rile up the people that are sleepy. To say something to the power base that, hey, I know you're in charge, but this is not what I voted for. This is not what I believe in. This is not what I'm going to stand for. This is not what I'm going to allow. But we have a situation, unfortunately, especially here in America, although other countries are starting to experience the same thing now, where our, our freedom of speech is not being taken away from the government. It's not being taken away by private people. It's being taken away by the social media. It's incredible. I know right now Facebook just said, I don't want to put out any stories about um, the possible links to, to uh, from COVID-19 to China uh, until, we in, until we investigate the facts. Really. Let me see. Uh, the virus started there in China. Uh, the virus started in the town where the virus laboratory was at. Yeah, there's no way there can be a... That's just a coincidence, right? We, we've convicted people on less than this kind of crap in the last five years alone. So this is when it becomes dangerous that we allow politics to corrupt our language, literally blind our common sense, because we're worried about making somebody else maybe look a little better. Oh, well. We should be worried about the safety of the people. We should be worried about the safety of the republic. We should be worried about the safety of the freedom of speech before we're worried about anything else. I've told this to people in, in rooms of people sometimes, and they, they laugh uh, nervously because they understand how stupid they've been. But I'm like, you could have still hated Trump all you wanted to and still spoke the truth on the things that he said was right. 
not that I cared about Trump one way or the other, but what I do care about is what are the things that he said was right that we could be using. Instead, they just tossed that to the side. Turns out everything this guy said about the COVID virus and all the other stuff turns out to be correct. This is how we put ourselves in, in mortal danger. As writers, as thinkers, as supposedly free people. But I don't understand how we remain free as writers or as people if we can't cling to facts. If we're just worried about the fear all the time. Well, Mark, you know, I'm just worried about these people jumping on me about that. Really? You can always put things in the proper context then. And if they can't take it that way, well, then you, you might want to get some new friends then because they're no longer people just on the ideology. They become fanatics. Because you can always say in context, okay, hey, listen, I think that Trump is right about this issue. There's probably 50 things I don't think he's right about on many other issues. I think he's right about this issue. Why don't we look into this? There you go. It's in context. So all your friends who hate Trump could have said, okay, I got that. If they were reasonable people, they would go with that. But no. This is what happens when hatred gets involved in our bloodstream, that we can't even, we can't even adhere to common sense, to our own conscience and to our own heart when we knew things were right versus when things were wrong. Now, don't get me wrong. There's 20,000 things that you could have said wrong about the former president, <laughs> and I probably agree with him all. I don't have any problem with that because, again, I have no problem with the truth. I got no problem with facts. But when they become uncomfortable, when they become inconvenient, when they become even in some instances dangerous to people's lives or the careers or whatever, then what kind of society are we creating? Something far worse than anything we've accused this guy of. Kept trying to impeach him like 98 times. What does that do? Not very much of anything other wasting our time and wasting our money and not getting anything done for society. For people who needed to have their businesses closed and harmed all these communities and harmed these people and their, and their dreams. And of course the health of so many people, especially the elderly population. Those are the things we should be writing about. Why don't I see any of these stories in my literary magazine? Why don't I see a poem about how COVID can affect the elderly, how the elderly had to figure out the best way they can to, to survive through that, and how the government was often mixed up about what it said you know we, we have a doctor over here out there that's supposed to be in charge of all these uh these comments and and he he's had so many wishy-washy opinions i i would i would rather just throw dice to save my grandparents rather than listen to this guy this is what we had how is that helpful but i'm getting that stuff why don't i get any of that stuff because people don't want to talk. Uh, they got no problem sending me a sex poem with 58 people having 98 positions of sex. Oh, Mark, you're a censor if you don't want that. I'm like, how about you send me something that's factual about what's going on in the last two years? Something that we all need to hear. Can I hear that? Because then you're a rebel. Then you're doing something. The sex poem, not very rebellious, okay? I've seen them all. Don't care about any of them. Big deal. We could watch that on HBO all day long. Or Showtime or Cinemax. Alright? So what the hell are you doing? 
we need to understand context. We need to understand how we have to refrain from the reflex where we're just doing something that that somebody else thinks is right. We become a we become a nation uh, as a culture that's deeply dishonest. We don't want to be honest with ourselves about the things that are going on in our lives, in our families, and now in our societies. And then we wonder why we have so many problems. Mark, I just don't understand why we haven't solved any of these things. Well, let me, let me explain to you in, in the simplest way, okay? We haven't solved the racial problem between us, meaning those people who are considered white and those people who are considered black. You know why we haven't solved it? Because we didn't do anything after we put a couple laws into place and allowed folks to vote as they should have been voting for like 100 years before that. Okay, and ban discrimination in housing and, and discrimination in education and banned all that stuff. We thought that once we did that, now racism is gone forever. Now let's get away. Nope. So you had people that abandoned the cities that went into the suburbs to try to get away from other people, didn't talk to them, didn't confer with them, didn't really make friendships with them. And we did this now for 60, 70 years, and we're wondering why we still have a race problem. We thought that somehow, superficially, we did some laws and changed things that that's supposed to actually fix anything. But that was only the beginning of fixing it. It didn't fix what we, we tried to understand about each other because we never spent any time trying to understand each other. Okay? We, we had some interaction with people at work sometimes. Most of the times we had interaction with people who were black uh, through celebrities and, and game shows and TV shows and movies and athletics. That was it. You, you wouldn't be able to find too many, too many white people that actually had real black friends that brought them over their house and they were in their, in their lives or anything. In fact, most of the time they lived in neighborhoods that barely even had any black people in there. Now, I'm not telling you that because of that situation that makes you a racist. But what I am saying is that it certainly doesn't make you an understander of the people who are upset with you because you had no contact with them. There's no relationship with them. No real dialogue at all. I passed them laws. Now we're good. We ended slavery. Everything's great. And you wonder why. Now, I agree with a lot of people that it's gone so extreme that you're making us in, in, into the enemy over here. And we're not the enemy. The truth of the matter is, is that both sides are at fault for this crap. From the time that we put in the, the, the Civil Rights Act and, and voting from 1965 to now. Both sides. Because no one's really done anything about trying to learn and dialogue with each other. No national reconciliation, no national dialogue. Just everybody going in their corner. Go, go in any cafeteria in any school. From 50 years ago to now, you got everybody groups and everybody at their table. Nobody makes it up to talk to each other to do anything. Not at all. Not happening. In fact, the only time there's ever been any real interaction, any real relationships, any real dialogue between black and white people in America is in the military. That's the only time I've ever seen it in my entire life. And many times, even then, they try to get divided. I know in my own unit I made sure that didn't happen because I don't believe in that kind of crap and I don't want to hear about it. I'm not going to be in combat with people who look at me just as weird as the enemy. We're going to be on the same side whether you like it or not. But that's, that's where we're at. We, we've, become, we've become that disconnected because we've become that dishonest. And that's why there's not going to be any, there's not going to be any solving unto this until 
we actually sit down and talk honestly. And honestly is not woke terminology and whatever new nonsense phrase they came up with. White supremacy, white privilege, this and that, blah, blah, blah. Idiotic. That's not going to help anybody. All you're doing is making people upset, confusing them, or they're going to scratch their head saying, what the hell happened to all the stuff we've done so far? Because it's still legitimate. I don't care how much you get upset about hearing that phrase that it's legitimate. But guess what? There's been real progress in our country more than anywhere else in the world. More than even Canada. Okay? I had someone point me the other day, you know, Mark, Canada's less racist country than America. I'm like, yeah, well, X, X, the, X the Indians up there, how, how well it's going up with Canada and that. They haven't resolved that either, okay? So they still have their own issues as well. Now I'm not beating up on Canada, I'm just being honest. They got their issues too. So don't get, don't get too excited over there. Like that's some kind of paradise. Because if it was, I'd love for them to come down and teach us something. But they're not going to be able to do that. Right now they still criticize us about the border. But I don't see Canada opening up and, and having 5,000 and 20,000 uh, you know, Central Americans or Mexicans flowing over there. See how well that would work with Canada. Okay? You think, you think we're bad at the border. Let's see how that would work up there. I don't think it would work very well. I think you'd say the same stuff about it. They, they, they seem to forget that part. Lots of people do. We don't like walls, but the whole damn world is walled. You know? Hey, I don't like walls either, but... I like sovereignty, and I like to have a, a, a nation where it has laws, and we have people that need to obey them. My ancestors did. That's how they came to America. Make a boat voyage, go through the process... Learn English, take your tests, become a citizen. Same way it should be as anybody else who's come here. Makes sense to me. Should make sense to anybody. But we are not going to get anywhere as a society until we start learning to be more honest. Be more honest about the country that we want. More honest about the country that we can become. More, more honest about the country that we are at the moment, which we're not. We can all criticize each other. We can all debate back and forth just about the border issue. But the whole issue has been dishonest for 50, 60 years and has continued to be dishonest, okay? Because the truth of the matter is we have two parties only in America. And the first party, the Democrats, they only want those folks over there because they figure if they get them stuck on some programs from the government, those are going to be their instant voters. Where the Republicans, on the other hand, until they can close the border, they just use these folks for cheap labor for their corporations that support them. So basically, both sides have not been honest about anything. Both sides would love us to keep them all, have an amnesty, and then have another amnesty every 20 years. So where they always get out of actually taking any accountability, any responsibility. Neither party can be trusted on the matter. Because neither one of them are honest. And that's the problem with so many things that we have right now. Nobody wants to be candid. They want to talk a bumper sticker. They want to talk some party line or some, or, or, or some racial nonsense stuff that makes no sense at all. The incredible thing about many of the issues that we're talking about right now... They're all solvable. Now, I'm not saying like overnight or next week, but they are solvable the moment folks actually start going back to just being honest about the situations. 
until we can be honest about that, until we can actually say, okay, in a room full of people who are migrant workers, you're, you're really here because I can't even convince anybody in my society to go pick lettuce unless they were given like $15 an hour. And in some cases, I can't even get people to do it at that rate because agricultural work is backbreaking work in the hot sun. Risking pesticides and diseases and hands cut open and dehydration and all the things that go with this. I don't know what the hell kind of salary you're supposed to get to do that kind of work. I really don't. So I'm not pretending that I do. What I will say is this. No one's doing that even in America at $15 an hour. I don't even know how the hell anyone does that at 3 or $4 an hour. But this is what, what's really going on. And no one wants to talk about that. Because that's really what's going on. Okay? If, if Americans actually did their work, a salad at the restaurant would probably be like $25. <laughs> I'm serious. Instead of 10 be like 25 Because all those people would want some extraordinary amount of, work, of, of salary and benefits and everything like that. Half of them probably wouldn't be at work on a regular basis because they'd be sick or ill or hurt or injured or something. Because remember, they're going to want sick days and vacation, medical care, medical expenses, medical insurance, all that crap. All the stuff we don't give anybody else. This is why we have a problem. Because no one wants to talk about that. So let's, folks, let's keep stuff in context. Let's definitely keep stuff that we're not being so reflective about it. Because that's what happens. All this knee-jerk stuff, it hurts us as writers. It hurts us as citizens of this country. And we lose the battle for the truth when we do that. All right, folks. Until next time, God bless. This is Strength to be Human. I'm your host, Mark Anthony Rossi. This is episode 204, Context or Reflex, Battle for Truth. God bless. Until next time. Thank you for listening. Follow the show and support our efforts by visiting our sponsors at www.strengthtobehuman.com or purchasing an ebook at www.somapublishing.com.